0: Hello and welcome to episode 30 of the Fundraising Bright Spots podcast. My name is Rob Woods and in case you've not tuned in before, this is the show for anyone who works in fundraising and who wants ideas for how to raise more money, really enjoy their job and make a bigger difference even during the pandemic. And if you've ever thought of joining forces with another charity for a specific corporate partnership or for any other important project, but you felt daunted and not known what to expect, then I hope you'll find today's episode enlightening and valuable. Because today I'm sharing an interview I recorded back in 2019 with Lucy Squance, who is Director of Supporter-Led Fundraising at Alzheimer's Research UK. And we're talking all about their record-breaking partnership with Virgin Money for the London Marathon back in 2019. This partnership was groundbreaking because whereas there is usually one charity partner for the event, This time the partner was Dementia Revolution, which was a collaboration between two charities, Alzheimer's Research UK and the Alzheimer's Society. Lucy explains that preparations for the event were not always easy, but through a determination to solve problems and make good use of their combined strengths, they were able to smash their targets, which included raising a combined total of 3.6 million pounds. This, and the other results they achieved, would not have happened if either charity had tried to go it alone, So it's clear to me that taking the risk and putting in the effort to work in collaboration massively paid off. Now, I need to reiterate, we recorded this conversation in the summer of 2019 at a point when we'd never even heard of the coronavirus. Nevertheless, as all charities are having to weigh up their strategic choices at the moment, I believe that the option of joining forces with other organizations in various ways is as relevant as it ever has been. And I hope that Lucy's insights are useful to you as you listen now
1: this episode of the fundraising bright spots podcast is brought to you by bright spot
0: mastery programs so if you need to increase income in corporate partnerships
1: or major donor and trust fundraising these programs will help as well as the advanced strategies you learn on the training days you receive one-to-one coaching to help you put those powerful techniques into practice to find out more about the corporate mastery and major gifts mastery programs, head over to brightspotfundraising.co.uk.
0: So, hello and welcome to the podcast, Lucy's Squads. Are you there? I am, Rob. Hi. Hi. So, thank you for making time for this for this interview. I've um, enjoyed interviewing you in various formats several times over the last few years, but never before on a podcast. If someone hasn't experienced your work before or they haven't seen you speak at a conference, uh, could you just kind of give us a a sense? So you're at Alzheimer's Research UK and your role is Director of Supporter-Led Fundraising. Could you give give us a brief snapshot of, of your career to date and how you come to be here now?
1: Yeah, of course. So, prior to working in the charity sector, I worked in the um, games software industry. I then moved to consumer technology and that was on the PR and events side. And then back in... 2003 sadly my mum died of cancer aged 46 a very young age it had a huge impact on my life and for me that was the catalyst to transition from the corporate world to the charity sector so I began my career in 2004 at Cancer Research UK I had nine very happy years there working in community and corporate fundraising and um, I then uh, spent Two three years um, in a freelance capacity, doing interim roles and in consultancy, just to broaden my skills and horizon. And then in 2016, I took on the role um, as head of um, support led fundraising for Alzheimer's Research UK. And within a year, I was promoted to director. And I have never looked back. I absolutely love my job, and. Um, I'm gonna say ARUK UK rather than saying as Research UK throughout this are an incredible, incredible charity to um, work for and with a huge mission and that mission is a life-changing treatment to slow or stop dementia. Mm.
0: Thank you and um, it, I know in the past you've referred to to your charity as a challenger brand and I've really loved over the last three or four years seeing all sorts of examples of how that has panned out in reality. And I guess today's topic is just another extension of being willing to do things slightly differently to what many charities would normally do. Um, So it's to do with dementia revolution that I especially wanted to, to get some ideas from you, not because our listener is necessarily going to go and apply to in partnership with another charity applied to the to the marathon, but because I think um, more and more we are being advised to consider partnerships and collaborations with other organizations, other charities, and it's not for the faint-hearted. Um, I think the prizes are huge if we do, but I think there's all sorts of things that we can be aware of if we are actually gonna follow through on that. And that's why I really wanted to dive deep into your experience of dementia revolution, uh, I'm getting ahead of myself, just just bef- before we could go into some learning, <laughs> what was Dementia Revolution?
1: Yeah, okay Rob, well, just so to give you some background, in April 2017, the Alzheimer's Society and Alzheimer's Research UK pitched and won the Virgin Money Corporate Partnership, the 2019 London Marathon. And I think that's important to note, it is the corporate partnership for Virgin Money, that's who you're pitching to, you're not pitching to the London Marathon, Um, you're pitching to Virgin Money. And our bid to Virgin Money was to support the UK Dementia Research Institute. Now, this is a new initiative to find better treatments and ultimately a cure, revolutionising dementia research. And earlier that year, both charities had made a £50 million commitment to this. So this wasn't some campaign or partnerships sort of cobbled together to win the London Marathon. This was happening, this was real, this is what we were doing. And we made that very clear in the pitch. We are coming together anyway, and we want Virgin Money to be part of that, to be the first corporate partner who's part of that. And that was exciting and that's new. Um, so, And also the, the funding need was very, very clear. So, the Dementia Revolution was born, um, and the campaign had three very clear objectives.
0: Great, and um, so that's a, a, bit, a bit of the background, and then in, in, in terms of top-line those objectives, and in, in particular, my sense is this was a, a massive success in, in terms of people noticing it, and, 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 and the, the brand reaching us, and also financially compared to what you might have achieved had you been on your own top line I mean in a moment we'd, I'd, I'd love to go into the hard work that was required but in terms of the results what, what were the outcomes?
1: Okay so let me just uh, if I just say about the objectives I think that's so important because that's what we had to totally focus on so our objectives were to raise 3.5 million for the Dementia Research Institute to engage Virgin Money staff in the Charity of the Year partnership and engage their colleagues to run and um, to attract attention to dementia, and ultimately break down misconceptions and stigma. So that was a communication. So there are three very clear objectives. I'm delighted to be able to share some of the results with you. So we recruited over 2,000 runners, 960 volunteers registered, and we think we had about an estimated 600 on the day. We had 10 very vibrant and active cheer points and a whopping 3.6 million raised date. So we're delighted to have smashed our um, target. Also, in terms of the Virgin Money partnership, it has been officially the most successful Virgin Money corporate partnership today, raising £330,000 with 127 colleagues who ran the marathon. Our post-campaign survey Um, revealed that one third of UK adults were aware of the Dementia Revolution campaign. So we managed to reach a huge amount of people um, about uh, about the campaign and about our mission and about what we were trying to do.
0: Wow. So, Lucy, um, it's hard enough uh, winning uh, a partnership as a charity on your own and then delivering it. But it seems to me there just are going to have been extra complications working with another organisation with a different culture, different size, different brand, different processes and so on. Um, can you unpick for us a little about what was hard and some ways that you and your opposite numbers at the Alzheimer's Society sort of overcame those challenges in, in, in working together and creating this new, new entity that was effective?
1: Yeah, absolutely, Rob. So you're right. We are two very different organisations in um, size, ways of working, culture, um, even the way we write, the way we talk, our tone. Um, we wrote the application back in January 2017, and the amount of rounds that have to that had to go through just to be all all agree on the language and how we talk about dementia, how we talk about research. Um, But this was all part of getting to know each other. So the getting to know each other part is very important. And similar to what I talked about in another podcast about relationships. So there's no way we could go straight into, yeah, these are the results, this is what we can deliver. It just wouldn't happen. We had to invest in those relationships as you would with any other partnership or project group. So we had uh, team away days where we did sort of a getting to know you. We all had to bring an object a personal object in um and put it on the floor in the middle of the group. There were some random things, and we had to get up and talk about what we brought in, how it represents us and why. And that was really great. Um we really got to know each other. We went for drinks, we talked about why we're together, we had the project sponsors so the um exec directors of both charities come in and speak to us joe barnett from virgin money and i think that was a key thing involving virgin money to say this is why you are all in this room this is why you're all important and this is what we're here to do the sponsors to do the same we even had um had hugh Braysher from london marathon come and speak to us as as well he talked to us about the background for marathon um his father why it was important to him and um what he what his hopes and dreams for the marathon so it was lovely to create and paint that picture of why we are all here and what we need to, we need to do. We also had, so that obviously building relationships is important, getting to know each other, but very clear project groups and structures. So we had the sponsors, the exec directors at the top, and we had a steering group um, that could make decisions. And then we had different project teams and they were based on event delivery, the partnership and the communications So we all knew sort of our chains of um, Racy, who was doing what. We had really detailed project plans. This all seems very obvious. And it is obvious. It's the normal stuff anyone would be doing in a partnership. So there isn't anything radical. But what there is, is a huge amount of uh, resilience and relentlessness because it is tough and communications take longer. You're going through different organizations different rounds of people sign off is longer kind of double the speed of um sorry double the, the length of everything that you need to get sign off for we yeah. have a huge amount of patience um have a good heart that what people are saying is with good intent yeah um and ultimately have very clear objectives so I come back to my point earlier around the three objectives. So when things would go down rabbit hole, holes, they do, you know, it's not a linear process in any partnership. You can always rein it back. It's like a good racehorse doing this. Yeah. You can always rein it back by focusing on end goals, Um, which, you know, which we, which we did.
0: Yeah, well done. And um, was there anything else that kind of um, you found that was – was obvious in a way and yet just was a particular challenge that you needed to, to solve? It, it, I mean there must have been dozens but but um, could you give us a picture of a certain area that needed a, needed a solution or needed, needed extra work to, to, to make it uh, effective in practice?
1: Yeah I would say um, our supporter journeys and Um, thinking about our supporters and the data and CRM and stewardship. This was, again, a huge area where we had different options. Does one charity own it? Does the other charity own it? Is it a cloud-based solution? Is it an agency? And I remember this going back and forward for months and different views, different opinions. But a key lesson here was... um, I guess, leading beyond, you know, your authority, for me, most definitely, but asking why and questioning and what does the future look like? And is everyone around this table going to be here in two years' time? Are you truly going to take accountability for all these supporters and data? And what are the other options? What haven't we explored? What else? What else? What else? And actually, um, a brilliant outcome from that problem and it was a problem it was a big headache for us all both charities we just couldn't come up with the best solution was um a third party so ntt took responsibility for our crm our data and supporter stewardship and this was it just worked incredibly because the accountability lied with them so it was outside of both charities um it freed up i think this is really important Time for both charities' events teams and their experts, fundraisers within those events teams, to focus on um, the value and all the other stuff, the events that were going on around it. So NTT could deal with the mass comms and stewardship and supporter care obviously, marathon runners, you know, they want to ring up. They want someone to get back to them quickly. On when does this happen? When does that happen? How do I pay this? How do I do that? So NTT took the bulk of all of that. What both teams had, what they enabled, is this incredible CRM that they built for us. That both teams, both charities, could go into at any one time and view all of, you know, view the data they could also, the Power BI reporting, they could see progress in terms of um, how many runners had signed up, how many had paid, what their fundraising targets, um, how close we were to um, achieving our overall target, volunteer recruitment. So we had this awesome reporting system that both charities could use. But so it worked out brilliantly, but the process to getting that decision through
0: Was tough to say the least. I'm sure, but I think that's a really good example of of something. If it had been easier initially, I think you wouldn't have been forced to take a a more bold and radical solution. It was the very fact that it was such a headache and was so frustrating, and there was no easy answer, forced both charities to have to do something bold. And the outcome seems to be much better than you would have have had otherwise. And that's a really good metaphor for whatever is extremely frustrating to the listener in their fundraising project right now. Even if the solution isn't obvious to you right now, it it might be the the blessing that comes from your frustration might be that sooner or later it's going to force you to to make something different and better compared to the system you're and. Another thing I love about it is it freed up your colleagues to do what they do best, which is that, that traditional event organizing and relationship building in the other ways, so they could absolutely deliver out, outstandingly well in, in that thing that, that was their initial strength, safe yes. knowledge that this other, other bit was uh, delegated.
1: Absolutely. I don't want my fundraisers spending time on, admin, on basic admin. That's not what they're there to do. That's not where their strengths lie. Yeah.
0: And, and again, it, it may not always be easy, but the more as leaders we can help people in, in our team do the things that are their core strength and, and that are really important for a great supporter experience, the more we can make decisions and put in processes that enable that to be more likely to happen the more yeah. we're, we're really likely to have that wonderful experience for supporters, and in due course, therefore, uh, wonderful results for the charity as well. So, um, for the for the listener who who may not be like I say look, looking at pitching to a marathon or a trek or a run, but they might be considering a, a collaboration of some kind. Are there any other? Lessons you learned or challenges that y- you think they should be-, be aware they may need to overcome?
1: I think one final challenge is about um, all the back-end stuff, I'm going to call it, that has to be done from um, the finances. How, how Where will the money be paid? Where, do, where does the money sit? Is it a joint account? Is it... Online pages. There are so many decisions and things to think about. From we had nine different legal contracts that needed signing. So, what the what do the finances look like? What are the legal um, requirements? What processes need to be put in place? What needs to be built, so even building the web you know the website and then where does the data what are the data permissions all of these things have to be really carefully thought about, and somebody needs to own it and do that work so resource I'd say you need the resource in place um, the comms side was really a lot of work was really heavy for the team in terms of communications with um, PR or social. Um, and ensuring that we had that resource because this was on top of people's day job. So we did have to look at getting um, additional resource, especially around sort of the data side and around some of the comms work.
0: Yeah, I guess it's tricky, isn't it? Because if, if you're considering a partnership with another organisation, you haven't already got an extra project manager to, to, to manage the new work that the, the successful partnership would require. But I guess what you're saying is, If it's the right thing to do do go for the for the partnership but if and when it's it's one do not hang about and then let everyone work themselves into the ground be really proactive in in clear thinking about what
1: resources now needed to manage this thing a hundred percent because if your partnership's worth um a million pounds or 500 you know what are you gonna what are you gonna invest in that you cannot expect To just continue with the same resource you have to think in a business-like manner and this was a 3.5 million pound partnership you're not just going to deliver that with the same team so the project manager was was fundamental and looking at the pinch points for additional resource was key but the one thing i forgot to mention is before um Before launch, what I personally did was I went and spoke to all the previous charities. So I met with Teenage Cancer Trust, I met with um, CRUK. I just met with the different charities and project managers to say, where were your, your pinch points? What did you learn? Where were your challenges? And I wrote all of that up. So when the project manager was recruited and started, she could have those notes. And then I took her to some of those meetings again to gain more insight. You, you have to really throw yourself in to learn. Um, and again, any partnership. What do you know about that company, that corporate? So for us, it's like, what do we know about London Marathon? What do we know about Virgin Money? What are they telling us? Um, what, it's, it's, listen, it's listening and learning from those stakeholders.
0: Yeah, and, and a- a- any project that you're doing for the first time, there just are going to be some things that come along which you just... Couldn't possibly have expected that this pinch point will will, will be especially important, and, I, and it'll come earlier than I would. You, you just yeah. do that stuff in advance. That's why experience yeah. is so valuable. But I, I think if, if one of the messages to the li, li, listener I have is is to be so thorough and bold in in, in in picking up the phone and and getting those extra cups of coffee early with another yeah. that's done this before. Yeah, than trusting. Oh, yeah. We'll just follow the brief, and I'm sure all the, you know, that I'll just do as the corporate is telling me. Goodness me, there's there's so many other sort of Absolutely. not obvious things that are others have learned through experience. Let's go and do a whole load of learning.
1: Absolutely, it, it truly immerse yourself in it. Totally immerse yourself in it. um as soon as you know, as soon as you've won that partnership, um, not down, you know, not later down the line, because then often it's too late. Um, But there are some really great lessons that we've learned that I'd love to share some of those with you.
0: Yeah, some key things, Lucy, then, what did you learn from this whole process?
1: So, some key things is around having clear goals and a mission, focus on your why, our campaign was current and exciting for Virgin Money employees, runners and volunteers. It was really, really clear. And like I said, when people start to go off on tangents, you can just rein them in and say, no, this is the go- goal and this is why we're doing this. In the wise words of the wonderful Peg Dane from London Marathon, she told us, and again, we listened, Keep it simple. Do it really well. And that was our ethos or motto throughout the whole campaign. We did not interfere with marathon, um, the marathon course, or on the day. We focused on our runners and the PR. Um, London Marathon don't need the charity partner. You know, it's a very successful event without the charity partner. And um, they want the charity to make the most of the opportunity, and that's what we did. Um, Another thing is, don't sweat the small stuff. Problems will happen every single day, multiple times a day. And what I saw is people can get stuck or consumed by the problems and a bit eaten up by them. Like, oh, this is happening and um, you just need to ensure you've got the right people around you to quickly cut through the fog and make sensible, pragmatic solutions and just pull those people, pull those people out when they, you know, things are getting a bit sticky. As we touched on before with the NTT example, think differently. Um, We had to be really open to working differently. I mean, this campaign has really challenged me in wonderful ways to um, work in collaboration and think differently. I mean, stewarding over 2,000 runners, as I said, across two different organizations, we were never gonna do that the same, never. And it would be very naive of us to think we were. So, you know, NTT was a good solution for us. also, leverage the PR opportunities. Um, Scott Mitchell was incredible. The way he talked about his wife, Barbara Windsor, and her dementia experience, he was very open and very willing to, to talk about her story because he wanted to raise the profile of our campaign and educate people around dementia and that it is a disease. Also, I don't even remember, do you remember Lucas, the Big Ben guy that couldn't get past the finish line
0: in
1: in the costume on the gantry? Um, We leveraged that. Piers Morgan was talking about it. Do you remember his costume got stolen, so it was a plea to find Big Ben. I'm pleased to say we now have that costume in our office. And it's massive. But all of these PR opportunities are there for the taking. You don't necessarily need some big PR company to to do this um, runners will share their stories so beautifully so our facebook group became a self-fulfilling um, community a tribe of passionate dedicated people that when they were feeling low they would say i'm really struggling with my run everyone the amount of responses say come on they would be uplifted that people would celebrate their achievements. Scott Mitchell himself would often comment and share stories about his training, his progress. It was so humbling to see such a movement and community and what this meant to them um, was brilliant. The other thing is about, um, I said before about being agile and explore opportunities. So yes, we don't want to go down a million rabbit holes, but when opportunities come along, it's important to explore them. So we work really closely with New Balance. And um, so I was managing that partnership and all our kit was New Balance. We worked with them on um, some of their fundraising initiatives. Um, They provided kit for our Dementia Revolutionaries. Again, that was having a clear program of asks. Some are, they said no, but we would still ask. We were happy for them to say no. We'd rather have a no than not ask. But it was really clear the things that we were working on, who was responsible when we were doing it. We had a brilliant partnership with them. Audible, another um, sponsor of the London Marathon, we work with them on a comedy marathon that raised over £21,000. They came to us saying they wanted to do something. So it's just be open to what are the other opportunities that aren't going to require a huge amount of resource. They're not going to go off on a different objective or mission. They're in line with your objectives and they'll add value to your campaign. Um, I think the final thing is about relationships. Some authentic trust in relationships and effective communications um, enable a high performance team, and they create they create that culture. So, as much as with marathon, all these things were happened. So much tactical and process and legal, we had to remember about the people and the project teams. I remember my counterpart at Alzheimer's Society; her team was. Um, under-resourced at one point. So my team really stepped up to help. Um, we played to each other's strengths. So um, Arts Society had an amazing legal team. We used them so much. They were brilliant in advising us on the contracts. We pride ourselves on our great comms team. So it's just really playing to strengths, whether it's an individual, a project group, or charity-wide. What are those strengths and, yeah, those relationships?
0: Fabulous. And I guess all of those things only work because right right at the start, you work so hard on on getting to know each other, trust each other and and agree. You're know, the North Star of, of why we are doing this. Yeah. That then helped all of these other tactical things to be followed through on and actually done and done well. Yeah. Hmm fabulous thank thank you lucy and if people wanted to connect with you uh, are you on linkedin or or what's your twitter name
1: yeah so both so linkedin lucy squants and twitter at lucy squants and with a surname like squants i'm very easy to find i can't really hide
0: <laughs> good so um thank you so much for 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 making the time to share all these ideas and stories with us i really appreciate it until the next time lucy thank you and goodbye
1: thank you rob thank you everyone for listening bye
0: well i hope you enjoyed this interview with lucy squants about the dementia revolution partnership just to reiterate in case you missed my introduction and you're wondering why this conversation sounded like it came from a different age we recorded this interview nearly a year ago in the summer of 2019 so that's why we make no reference to the pandemic or lockdown if you'd like a short summary of the key ideas we cover in the interview, do check out the episode notes on the blog and podcast section of our Bright Spot website. If you'd like more ideas to help you succeed during the pandemic, then I'd love for you to make use of my new ebook, Power Through the Pandemic, which gives seven key strategies to help you raise money even now through major donors, corporates and trusts. You can download it for free from brightspotfundraising.co.uk Forward slash power. If you enjoyed today's episode, please remember to subscribe today. And if you'd like to get in touch or share the episode, thank you. And you can find either of us on LinkedIn or through Twitter, where Lucy is at Lucy Squance and her surname is spelt S-Q-U-A-N-C-E. And I'm on Twitter at at Woods underscore Rob. Finally, thank you so much for listening today. I hope you enjoyed it. And I look forward to sharing more Bright Spot stories and ideas with you next week. Goodbye.